Hello, my name is Claire and you are listening to the Hypno Birthing Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast and also a brand new year. Happy 2024. I hope that for anyone that does celebrate Christmas, you all had a really lovely Christmas. And for anyone who doesn't, I hope you've had a lovely few weeks since I last was here speaking to you. Today's episode, so we are kicking off the new year with a really great guest who is here to talk about her brand new book. So I welcomed on Dr. Larissa Cordas. So Dr. Larissa is a gynecologist and obstetrician, and she is also the resident fertility expert on ITV's This Morning. So for anybody that watches that, you may well recognize her name and her voice as well. But she has written a book called The Conception Plan. And it is aimed at kind of everybody, as we will talk about, but mainly at obviously people who are looking to become pregnant and start a family. So thank you, Dr. Larissa, for coming on. I'll play the episode for you now. So hello, Dr. Larissa. Thank you so much for joining me. If you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, Claire. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm very excited to do this podcast with you and interact with with your brilliant uh, listeners. So my name is uh, Dr. Larissa, as you've said, and I am an obstetrician and gynecologist with a particular interest in fertility and conception. And some of your uh, listeners might recognize me from this morning, which is where I tend to do the fertility and pregnancy related segments. So I guess um, it's always so difficult, isn't it, introducing yourself? And to be <laughs> honest with you, I, I think one of my pet hates is like these really boring, long-winded <laughs> introductions. So I'm going to keep it really short and just say, I guess, a little bit like my book, I'm this mix of a bohemian and spiritualist um, alongside being a scientist trained in allopathic traditional medicine. So this book really is a bit of a coming of age for me and and possibly the first time people kind of really see that other alternative side to me as most people are used to kind of seeing me, yes, holistically minded, but very much, um, you know, down that kind of very traditional medical route. And actually this other huge, huge part um, exists within me, which is, yes, that what I would call that sort of spiritual mystical side, um, which I would argue and I argue in the book is very much a part of science. I have always believed that spirituality and science belong together. Um, And I really think that science is now helping to really pave the way for a new spiritual movement um, that we're seeing most people kind of open themselves up to, especially since the pandemic, when so many more people explored these alternative options and came into doing things like meditation and mindfulness and so on. So, yeah, it's uh, it feels like a very exciting moment for me, but also equally, you know, I feel quite nervous about it as well. Um, and, you know, to see how people respond to that and, and take it. Um, and, you know, there, there's some very deep stuff that I go into in this book and, and discuss us and you know I tackle it from a very different lens to what your traditional doctor would do which you know when I spoke to many friends and other people about it in the lead up to writing this book 
all of them sort of turned around and went, oh my gosh, you know, this is what we need. I, I wish that people were doing this and bridging this gap between science and spirit. So that kind of really gave me that impetus and that courage to to write wholeheartedly. So yeah, there's there's a lot in there that might surprise people, but at the same time, hopefully um, have a really positive and beneficial impact on their lives. That's amazing. I mean, the book looks great. I've got a copy in front of me and it, it looks very impressive. As we were saying, it's, it is it's very thick. So, you know, you know, you're definitely getting a lot of information in there. And yeah, I mean, it was I wrote, um, as I was saying to you beforehand, I, I literally wrote uh, three times the amount of content that's there. So it was a real mission trying to condense it down because, you know, you'll appreciate doing so many years within this kind of field. There's so much to say. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted to say something that was quite different to what was out there. So, yeah, I, I wrote the equivalent of a PhD thesis. <laughs> it's amazing. That- <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been condensed down. But you're you know, you'll fit in very well with our community of listeners, because I think obviously kind of people that are listening to this are interested in hypnobirthing. And I think that has mm-hmm. a good mix of the kind of um holistic side but also definitely it's all grounded in science like everything that that we talk about in terms of hypnobirthing and and things like that is we draw on a lot of um science and and things like that so yeah it kind of it perfectly fit with our community and hopefully everybody listening who you know will will totally feel that as well um okay so you're here to talk about the book as we've mentioned which is really exciting it's called the conception plan so Mm -hmm. just before we kind of go into a bit more detail about the book what kind of spurred you on to write this book like what was your inspiration for mm-hmm. writing it I'm guessing it took you a while as well because it is oh God, such yeah. a lot of information yes it did well do you know what to write the full manuscript it took me exactly nine months can you believe and that was completely non-planned so wow. so yeah this is how That's- spirituality operates <laughs> So that's so amazing. Really, you know, I set the intent that I was I I actually um so I haven't shared very much about the book writing process simply because when I was writing the book I went into a very creative isolating mode. Um I literally took myself off to live on a sheep farm in Somerset. I lived like a complete hippie in in a tracksuit and baseball cap. Um <laughs> Um, and literally spent my days just, you know, writing and um, seeking inspiration. And also what was so wonderful was was getting to observe, you know, how these sheep behaved on the farm and how they were birthing new life. Right. And and I was there learning so much about them. Um, also getting stuck in and helping out with some of the deliveries and looking after wow. them and bottle feeding the lambs that needed it. So it was such a huge experience for me on many, many levels. Whilst at the same time also, and I think a lot of authors do say this, um, it, it was a deeply healing process for me as well, you know, to yeah. write about so many of these subjects, which really hit um, to the very core and essence of some very, very sensitive points. And I guess that was really one of the first reasons why I decided to write this book that I sort of through seeing many, many patients over the years, um, it became quite obvious to me that though there are some incredible books written in this particular genre that give amazing advice, I felt that there were still certain things missing. Um, So, for example, a book that really kind of tackled some of the more difficult issues um, that people face. And actually, when I first submitted the book to my editors, 
um, the first thing they said to me was, wow, like this book literally from the beginning does not beat around the bush. Because mm-hmm. one of the first chapters is literally epigenetics, which we can talk about, and then trauma. You know, mm-hmm. like trauma is one of the first chapters you see. And that's not something that most fertility or wellness books actually really have. Um, but I felt very, very strongly that the mental health and emotional element was very, very important in this, not only because uh, people do understand that obviously, you know, going through um, a difficult process of conception can absolutely have, um, you know, very real and negative impacts on your mental health. But actually, there's a bigger reason than that. And that is that, you know, our emotional health is not taken anywhere seriously enough by the medical profession. And I argue in this book with a lot of scientific evidence that actually our emotional state of mind has a, is a huge contributor to our physical overall health yeah. and that we need to be taking it seriously and that we need to be addressing trauma at its root causes and that every medical consultation should be looking at things like this and addressing them as part of the treatment so this is why you know these chapters that 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 tackle that and then there's a a whole one of the chapters i feel proudest of actually is the baby loss um chapter that that's in there again a subject that isn't normally tackled in in any extensive level of detail um and i really wanted to be able to give something to people that also dealt with the very hard and emotionally grueling side of um what it is to 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 struggle to conceive and then also potentially go through through baby loss and i really wanted to address all the different forms of baby loss not just the ones that our societies typically recognize but actually you know even women who are hopeful of becoming pregnant and then go on and have a period you know that in itself actually needs to be seen as a loss and honored as such and and I felt very strongly again about that. So, so that was one of the reasons. But um, the wider context to to why I I wanted to write this was also because for so long I felt that the worlds of alternative medicine and allopathic mainstream medicine have been completely polarized and split and divided, and that's never really made sense to me because I've grown up with both. And, you know, I trained as an allopathic doctor in the Western system, but, you know, my my upbringing involved a lot of alternative medical practice. Um, and then my natural interest and bohemianism kind of took me down this route. And I started kind of really researching, investigating, using some of these modalities myself. And it started to get to a point where it, it, it was just nonsensical to me that actually so many of my medical colleagues wouldn't necessarily take this seriously. And I remember being a more junior doctor and getting completely dismissed over it or laughed at, you know, that actually, you know, this is all woo woo. And, you know, go back to reading your Cosmo magazine. That kind of thing was was actually said to me. Um, so. So the thing is that I I think I always understood that there was more to it than that. And what's really excited me about the last couple of years, especially since the pandemic, is that there's this growing body of research and evidence um, called psychoneuroimmunology, which is this really long winded term. But basically how our psychology and emotional health interacts with our immune system and interacts with our nervous system and how all of them work in tandem. So it's really helping to explain that link between the mind, the brain and the rest of the body, as well as bridging that gap between the alternative, which tends to focus on our emotions and the subconscious and elements of trauma and past experiences with the mainstream, which is much more about the physicality of our health and disease. Um, so, so 
yeah, I, I started doing a lot of research in, in this particular field and then started applying these principles and techniques which constitute the conception plan. Um, and on that point, to, to be quite clear about what the conception plan means, so most people will take it to mean, obviously, a plan to help you to conceive. And yes, it is that, absolutely. But the wider meaning behind it is actually helping you to give birth to yourself again. It's about a rebirthing process. So so learning to to give birth to the self that you want to be prior to becoming a parent. And again, I didn't think that was something that was uh, adequately addressed out there or given much attention. And, and that's really how I see this whole process of preconception and the lead up to that. It is giving birth to the parent of tomorrow that you want to be. Yeah in order to raise a child and also at the same time have the most physically, mentally and emotionally healthy child possible. Yeah, that's one thing I actually really liked when I was having a look through your book is that it isn't just specific, like you said, for people who are actively trying to conceive in that moment. It's for people who see that in their future at some point, but want to kind of yeah prepare their bodies and their minds in the best way so that when that does happen, they are in a, a really good space. And I think, you know, when it comes to, I think, having babies, getting pregnant, you know, raising raising children, and also with birth as well, so it links back into what I teach, but we don't often think that far ahead, do we? We just kind of go through life and then suddenly, you know, we're at the point where oh, we want to have children and we, we do that mm-hmm. without giving it too much kind of thought beforehand and it's the same with Mm -hmm. with birth we don't learn about birth until we're pregnant and sometimes I think it's too late by that point we need to start before um which is what I really like about that you know is that it's giving people that chance to kind of think about those things beforehand so that when they do reach that point they're in a really good space ready to raise kids and do all of those hard things that are hard No, exactly. So thank you for raising that. That That is absolutely really, really important. And you're so right that what I find with so many of my patients and clients is that when they are eventually pregnant, if they haven't addressed some of the aspects mm. of healing beforehand, gosh, pregnancy can be incredibly triggering time, um, especially with something called mother wounding, which I go into a lot of detail in this book about. Um, and that is really unprocessed trauma that stems down the maternal line. Yeah, um, It affects us all. It affects men and women. And the thing about it is, is that if if that goes unaddressed and a person doesn't necessarily heal from some of those wounds, they are brought up during the entire pregnancy process. And, and you're nodding away there because I'm sure you've seen that too, yeah. right, with the work yeah. that you do. Um, and it's an incredibly powerful, powerful thing. I'm actually working through um patients, so many patients over the years, what I have noticed is every time we've kind of addressed this mother wound aspect, and don't get me wrong, you know, this takes a while to kind of get into some of these issues and the crux, because most people, you know, walk around, they have no idea they've got mother wound issues, right? It's not something anyone really talks about. So to actually even identify that, let alone have the courage to kind of, you know, sit with it, deal with it, deal with some of the really difficult emotions that come up, you know, is, is hard. But actually the payoff in that and the transformations that I have seen and how it's you know, been a huge and major factor in allowing people to progress past a certain point and go on and conceive as a result and have far better, healthier pregnancies is absolutely amazing. And plus, you know, I'd argue it, it also affects you, you know, during the labor process itself yeah. and postnatally yeah. too. Yeah, definitely. So, so you know, that there, there are 
such huge reasons as to why we need to take preconception health seriously. It affects us not just when we're pregnant, but also beyond. And and it even goes so far as to affect, you know, the menopause that occurs later on as well and how you transition through that. So it's always amazed me how preconception has been sidelined and reduced to just taking a bunch of antenatal vitamins, right? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, Antenatal, prenatal vitamins. And and that's, as you say, that's kind of, you know, it tends to be reduced to maybe, you know, a couple of weeks at most, a few months when people kind of go, okay, you know, better stop drinking so much or smoking or whatever it is they might be doing. um, And let's really focus on having a baby. But actually the the preconception period, as I kind of state in the book is, is really from the point of time when, when you're able to reproduce, which is actually, you know, as a teenager um, all the way through to actually having a baby. So it is, it can last for several decades and we need to start taking it really seriously and dealing and addressing some of these issues during that time. Cause what you ideally don't want to do is find yourself getting to that stage where you know you haven't been informed all of this is important you find yourself potentially struggling um you know or dealing with very complex emotions and issues that start coming up during that time of trying and you're not equipped to deal with it because no one's spoken to you about it you know there's a real Mm. lack of education out there even amongst the medical community you know no one really talks about preconception health um and i i think it's hugely important and possibly also the most important stage of your life because it sets the precedent for everything else that goes on afterwards yeah no it is important and there isn't a lot of information we don't it's not something that we get talked about to at school and things like that is it you know it might be very quickly brushed over but not in any kind of detail so yeah it's it's great to have that and and also, you know, the other thing we get taught at school, as I'm sure you know, is, is you know, you're given the impression of how easy it is to fall pregnant. Yeah. You know, everything that's taught is about how to avoid pregnancy. Yeah. Um, so there's instead of actually putting an emphasis on the fact that, you know, people really need to start paying attention to their health and there might be difficulties that they encounter later on and this is what to do about them so I think we really need to shift that narrative um, that starts off at school and that people you know grow up with and then you know suddenly might find themselves in a situation where they they feel lost they feel isolated they they feel like they're the only one because the that's fed to them is it should be so easy which is yeah. completely erroneous and and actually you know it, it isn't easy for many people it, it you know for, for for some yes potentially but you know for many people it isn't mm-hmm. um and and you know there's no getting around even for those that may fall pregnant with ease Nevertheless, I still find that if they haven't dealt with some of the issues, they definitely come up and crop up later, you know. So there's no getting around that. There's no bypassing of that entire preconception period. Yeah. No, you're so right. I think myself personally as well. I mean, my eldest is nearly seven. So she so a while ago we were kind of thinking about having, you know, getting pregnant. But I think, you know, you go through such a long period of your life where you're trying so hard not to. And yeah, you get, you think it's like really easy, you know, it's going to be really easy, mm. going to happen really, really easily. And then it comes to it and you're like, oh, okay, like it's not as easy as you say it is. And I experienced a couple of really early losses. I mean, we, we, we didn't have any issues with our, with our conception journey. Other than that, you know, we were fortunate both times for it to happen quite quickly but I did have a couple of losses and I know now there's much more information about things like that and people talk about things like that a lot more but even kind of eight years ago 
I still don't think people did. And I was quite shocked. I was like, oh, I didn't actually think that that could happen, that I could kind of get a positive test and then actually yeah. it go away. Like I, I didn't even really think of that because none of my friends, not hadn't happened to any of my friends and, yeah. you know, so I think, yeah, yeah, it's kind of just that education because so young, we're not taught about that side of it. We're just taught about the don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant, which yeah. of course, you know, is <laughs> important when you're younger. But yeah, you kind of, it was a bit of a shock, I suppose, for me personally. So I completely see what you're saying that it start yeah. that education should start early much sooner and you know absolutely what you say is so true for many women that yeah. you know they're led into feeling uh, alone they're led yeah. into feeling you know trapped in terms of how to reach out to anyone and, and what to say and and yes thankfully you know that the culture is changing and we are having more and more people talk about um infertility baby loss um some of these subjects that you know even several years ago no one was really discussing in the oh. open um and and so the information that that's filtering through i mean you know i i had a friend recently actually ask me um, about one of her friends who was facing uh, baby loss. And, and, you know, she, she asked me as a doctor in the field and said, what, what can I do? What can I say to her to help? And I was just so touched by that, you know, that she actually wanted to say the right thing. And, you know, she was so concerned about being there for her friend. So I think this information is, is out in the mainstream a lot more, thankfully, and people, you know, there are many more uh, places of support as well that people can access and you know even um government rules and um and you know strategies are changing around it too as we're seeing with so many brilliant movements that are occurring as a result of pioneering work being done by incredible charities and also you know um people who are spearheading this such as MPs and, and certain celebrities but I think that there is so much more to do and I think we need to be much better at talking about mm. these uh, these subjects in general because they affect so many. I mean, miscarriage is more common than the flu. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're right. a reality, aren't they, of life? And we don't, right. we're ashamed to talk about them. I mean, not so right. much, I, I wouldn't be now, you know, I would, I'd, mm. I'd happily talk about it because I think it's important. Mm. But yeah, we're kind of, we have this feeling that, oh, we shouldn't talk about it, but it is a reality yeah. of life and yeah, yes. not uncommon. Not uncommon. And and the other thing that's, you know, one of the, the things that I really kind of draw upon in the book that not having a chance to talk about it, not having a chance to express your emotions and just being made yeah. to feel like you need to get on with it is actually mm. hugely detrimental, not just to your mental health and the risk of depression and PTSD later on. But also when we start looking at emotional suppression through the same lens as trauma, because emotional suppression has the very same effect as trauma on our brains and our bodies. Right. Mm-hmm. So what it does is it effectively dysregulates our nervous system and our nervous system feeds into every single aspect of our body. So actually the emotional suppression through these downstream mechanisms and through the effect it has on the entire biological landscape of our bodies can end up contributing to infertility, can end up contributing to reproductive problems and conditions. So this is Mm -hmm. another huge reason as to why we need to start allowing people to have those spaces and those platforms to express how they're feeling. Yeah. Right. And and to be able to talk about it um, because it's 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 such a necessary part of our health and our well-being and you know there there isn't there isn't any more convincing reason right to 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 want to make a change in this arena in this field because it 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 just it affects all of us and and even more than that 
Um, when I talk about us, yes, you know, the person who's going through it. But if that person hasn't had a chance to deal with and address that trauma, what can also happen is that that trauma can also be passed down transgenerationally. So it can start yeah. to also have biological effects on any children that you have. And we know this through research that actually those effects can affect at least three generations. Right. Wow. So that's huge. Yeah. That's really huge. So there's even more reason as to why we need to do this, not just for ourselves and our current generation, but also all of the other generations to come. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. It's big. Um, so in terms of the plan, how does it kind of just loosely, how does it work? Mm. Okay, so the, the actual plan is based on the different pillars of the conception plan. So there's a chapter dedicated to each pillar, which I have recognized as being really important when it comes to your overall health, but also in particular with conception. So um, the first pillar is nutrition. Um, second yeah. one is exercise. Third one is stress management, which, you know, people might find a little bit controversial because we often get told, oh, stress doesn't have an effect. Stress doesn't affect your health. I mean, I I remember doing research as a more junior doctor um, about the impact of stress on fertility. And, and yes, the research is, is scientific research is divided on this. But actually, over time, what we have seen is all of the stuff that I mentioned about trauma, emotional suppression, all of the evidence that we're now gaining through this field of science called psychoneuroimmunology, that stress absolutely has an impact. And yes, we totally need to be taking it seriously. Um, so that's why I've dedicated a whole chapter to that, because that it's huge in itself. And I go through a lot of scientific reasoning as to how stress can affect you and your baby. But then we've got toxin-free living, which is about sort of, you know, um, cleaning up the environment that you're living in and what you're putting onto yourself and into yourself. And then, of course, sex and relationships, the, the juicy chapter, um, which is when I kind of tackle uh, a lot of things with regards to the relationship with, with your partner. But really, and most importantly of all, actually, the relationship you have with yourself, the intimate yeah. relationship you have with yourself, because that's a really, really important part of conception. So the plan is based around those um, different pillars and it's um, it's spread out over three months. The reason it's spread out over three months is because it takes um, about three months for men to produce new sperm. And it takes an average about three months for, for an egg to move out of storage and to the point of ovulation. So it's a kind of nice time period during which you can make some very real changes that you can start to see some of the effects of because, you know, these changes don't happen overnight. I think most yeah. people realize that it takes a commitment and that commitment needs to be for at least three months, but actually ideally needs to move beyond that, you know, and if you can make it last for, for six months, a year and actually several years, great, you know, all the yeah. more benefit. Um, so, so everything is divided over 12 weeks and there's an introduction week and then there's a reflection week, the introduction at the beginning, reflection right at the end. And then in between, I tackle different themes out of those different pillars spread out every fortnight. So every fortnight, there's um, a meditation that you're going to focus on and do. There are a set of affirmations that you're going to follow. And then there are specific um, implementable strategies and points that you're also going to follow and focus on whilst journaling, whilst, um, you know, following all of the 
good things that are also in the book, but giving specific attention and focus to the themes of those particular fortnights, um, which generally encompass those pillars. So that's kind of how it's designed in these very kind of manageable sections that get you used to the idea of, you know, writing to express your thoughts and feelings, get you used to doing, you know, meditations, get you used to taking time out of your day to kind of focus on yourself and making that commitment with yourself, which I think so many people really struggle with, right? Yeah. It it is a massive struggle. And we're, we're all so, there's so many time pressures on people and distractions and things, you know, that, um, they do and that they're needed for and actually what I'm trying to say to people is you know trying to get pregnant is a is a really serious process and you need to take it seriously and actually you know make that time for yourself because it's the best investment you'll ever forget to do and may I just also point out this is absolutely also applicable to partners right so ideally both of you need to be reading this book together um, because all of the advice you know, is is absolutely for uh, both the people that are involved in the process, unless you're doing it on your own, of course. And, you know, in yeah. that case, um, it's for you. But yeah, hopefully yeah. it's all very easy to follow. And actually, you know, I talk a lot about journaling, but that's, I don't know if you've noticed with the cover, um, it looks mm-hmm. very different to any book in this genre. And we intentionally kept it that way because it looks more like a journal. It and does, yeah. The reason- for it yeah that that journaling is a really important part of of the conception plan yeah no I like it and you're right kind of like when you're talking about taking that time every day because um, this is something that you know I talk about with hypnobirthing as well because that has you know meditations and relaxations Mm -hmm. and breathing techniques that people do need to take the time out daily really to do mm-hmm. and it is a struggle like you know I get it everyone has busy lives but these things are really important and mm-hmm. if you can kind of carve out 10 minutes you know a day just to and it is it's it's for yourself you know and it's nice I always say it's nice you're doing something yeah. nice for yourself it's not anything horrible yeah. but soon enough hopefully it'll become a habit you know if you can do it regularly yeah. for a couple of weeks you'll yeah. become one of those things yeah, absolutely. And and I think most people don't realize that what they're doing through taking, you know, those 10, 15 minutes out in a day, what they're doing is literally rewiring their brains and rewiring the entire circuitry in their bodies. So though they might feel like, oh, you know, nothing's really happening. Actually, it is. There's a whole host of biochemical, um, energetic Uh, neurological processes that are going on behind the scenes that you don't necessarily see, but you'll see the benefits of later down the line. Um, And you're absolutely right. I think when you get into the habit of doing it, because it's something, I mean, I, you know, got into meditation quite early on in my life. And, and, and I'll tell you what, when I don't do it, I think I feel like my whole day just gets completely on top of me. I get so overwhelmed. Um, and I noticed like I'm, I'm much more sensitive to stress um, wow. when I don't. Whereas if I carve that time out for myself every day, I, I find myself a lot more resilient to whatever it is that might be going on. I'm much better able to handle a situation um, and, and you know, just be a better human being all around in terms <laughs> yeah. of, you know, all of my relationships. Um, yeah. So, so it's it's massively important. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the pillars, can you just briefly, I mean, obviously not, mm. you know, in, in your book, you go into them in huge detail, which is great, but just really briefly, can you just kind of talk, talk a little bit through each one and why that's important? I mean, I think... Yeah you know, you've listed them already. I think we can probably all guess why they're important. You know, we all know that nutrition is important, but I think we don't often 
kind of treat it as as high up yeah. enough in the in the yeah. list of things we need to concentrate yeah. on so yeah could you just yeah. touch on them really like just really yeah. lightly obviously leaving you know leaving something uh-huh. for people to go and look at um, yeah but yeah just each one absolutely so what I want to say first of all is that every single one of those pillars is based around this concept of epigenetics, which is one of the first chapters in the book. And what this is about is essentially um, this new wave of science, which is telling us that it's our actions, it's our behaviours, it's our environment, which actually turns out to be a lot more important than our genes, because that is what's controlling our genes and their behaviour. So these epigenetic factors like nutrition, like exercise, are basically switching genes on and off. So this, um, you know, it's a bit of a mind boggling thing because most of us have been taught to believe that anything outside of our genes is called junk DNA. So supposedly, you know, we we in the past used to think we had about 98 percent of so-called junk DNA. Now, I can tell you something, and that is that nature does not create junk. Right. <laughs> it does not do that. It does not waste like that. <laughs> so there is no way that 98 percent of our DNA is is assigned to nothingness. And hey ho, turns out that, you know, the most recent research, which has been happening over the last couple of years, is saying, wow, like all of this other stuff that was called junk actually is creating all of these epifactors which are controlling how our genes are behaving and how our cells are behaving. And that's huge because it means that actually we have far more control over things like our health and our fertility than we ever thought possible. You know, in the past, we used to think that that was all down to outsourcing it to someone else or to something else. No, it's down to us, right? Um, So, you know, I'm not, of course, that there are some, you know, genetic conditions that are inherited and genetic factors which are very difficult to counter with the environment. But nevertheless, even in some of those circumstances, a very real difference can be made through the epigenetic conditioning. So bearing that in mind, nutrition, which is the first chapter, nutrition is just literally one of the most massively important things that you can do for yourself when you're trying to conceive, taking care of that. Now, I'm not a fan of any restrictive dieting or fatty trends. I mean, I don't condone any of those. But what I do condone is is a healthy way of approaching food and eating and making learning to make some very real basic decisions about what's good and what's not. And it starts off with paying attention to what you're actually buying. So other than understanding what foods are good for you and which ones may not be, understanding that actually what we want to be doing is eating food in its kind of cleanest, healthiest state possible, which means it shouldn't be processed, which means ideally it shouldn't have a whole load of chemicals attached to it and pesticides, because all of those things we're taking in and all of those nutrients are ultimately conditioning everything that's going on within our bodies and and controlling cell behavior. So I talk a lot about that and also some of the, the latest and really exciting research about how when babies are in the womb, they can actually be conditioned to kind of like certain foods and and not. Um, So there's there's all these studies that look at how babies respond to food. And if you're eating really healthily and really well during your pregnancy, it turns out that your child would then develop healthier cravings later in life. So this is another reason why this is so important and huge. Um, Exercise. So, yes, most people understand exercise is important. Right. But a lot of people don't necessarily understand. understand some of the, the the reasons behind it and 
you know, yes, exercise helps to regulate, control your hormones. It helps to regulate and control your, your BMI, uh, your metabolism. So many of these things um, reduce levels of inflammation, all of which can affect and impact fertility. But also it turns out that exercise is really, really important when it comes to your mitochondria. Um, and why are mitochondria important? I'm not going to say a huge amount of it because I go into a lot of it in my book. But mitochondria are kind of um, at the frontier of a lot of um, new medicine that's coming out, which is basically to say that they are so important that they're almost like hormones in our bodies. In fact, they are, they are, you know, this is where our sex hormones are produced. So it's really, really important to look after our mitochondria. Um, and one of the best ways that we can do that is through regular exercise. And I talk about, you know, what exercise is good for you, what isn't necessarily in your best interest, um, and, you know, how much you should be aiming for that kind of thing, which I think sometimes people can find quite confusing in terms of conflicting yeah. advice out there. Um, and then stress management. I mean, this is huge. Um, because stress is kind of related to trauma, is related to our emotions. And I discuss why stress can have an impact on your health and fertility, but also how the stress axis of any one of us is literally set at the point when we haven't even been born. So we exist inside our mother's wombs. That's when our stress axis is, is set. Yeah. And then up to the age of four is when, you know, there's this huge turnover um, going on within our brains in terms of new neural connections that are forming. I mean, it's absolutely mind boggling. And so what happens to you at that stage while you're in the womb and then afterwards up to the age of four is hugely instrumental in terms of setting you up for health or disease later in life. So this is one of the major reasons why we need to take stress very, very seriously. Um, and we need to start addressing mental health in, in, a, in a much better way than we currently are. And then toxin-free living, it's all about how you can really make adjustments in your immediate environment in terms of products that you're using, um, why certain products aren't necessarily the best thing for you. And this goes to, for everything, you know, in your home to like what you're putting inside of yourself, because it all over time can have an impact. And it's crazy to me that so many of these products that have, you know, if you take your typical shampoo bottle, it's got a huge long list of ingredients, most of which are non-pronounceable. And, you know, we have no idea what they do. But actually, turns out a lot of them, what we call endocrine disruptors. So they mimic estrogen in the body mm -hmm. and they can tip you into something called estrogen dominance, which then starts to have an effect on inflammation, on your stress axis, on so many different things. Wow. So unlike a cigarette packet, which comes with a very clear warning of, you know, this may cause this damage, there's no such thing on any of the products that we use, which is insane to me, right? Thankfully, we are now beginning to see this emerging movement of more natural products. But also it's about getting around this idea that a lot of things are sold as natural, but they're not necessarily mm. Um, so, you know, some of the best things that you can do is make products for yourself, right? And, you know, yeah. cheap and cheerful, but actually, you know, exactly what's gone into them and yeah. what they're doing. So, so there's, it's about changing the consciousness behind that. And then sex and relationships. So I talk a lot about, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions that I, I get asked about this and, most people and most doctors only look at the importance of sex when it comes to conception as in, you know, how often are you doing it? And that's it. But mm. actually, there's so much more to it than that, because it's the it's about the sort of sex that you're having mm. that's really important. 
And again, I felt that no one was really kind of discussing that. But um, there's a lot of detail in the book about why the type and sort of sex you're having really matters and why, you know, you need to be really focused on cultivating a beautiful, compassionate relationship with your partner. But even more importantly, with yourself, because if you haven't got that relationship, that loving relationship with yourself, first and foremost, it will absolutely affect you in all of your other relationships, um, affect the entire conception process um, and also the sort of sex that, that you are having. And I think so much of the time people put so much pressure on themselves around this. And, you know, they use these ovulation monitors and everything is kind of regimented and timed. Yeah. And it's the biggest passion buster ever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? it becomes it becomes um, more like a chore, I suppose. Yes, it becomes a chore, and then it gets really heavy, um, mm. and it becomes so difficult. And you can get yourself into this kind of place, both you and your partner, of kind of not even looking forward to sex anymore, right? Yeah. Because it's it's as you say, it becomes a chore. And what I really want to do, what I'm really passionate about is moving people away from that, you know, moving people past that point so that they don't see it as a chore and that they see it as part of their well-being and as part of their health. And again, I go into a lot of detail about even just how the process of sex is helping to condition your womb. And actually, you know, all of the the liquids that are exchanged during sex, how they can actually have really beneficial effects on you and your hormones and your general state of well-being. So again, there's a lot of new research um, which is in there, which I think might help to persuade people to have more sex than they are. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you for kind of touching all of those, like just really interesting. As I said, I think like just by looking at, at the list of pillars, like we all, I, I understand why on the surface, why those things are important, but hearing you go into more detail about why is things that, you know, I never, I, I didn't know that. So that it's really, yeah. you know, it's really interesting and very helpful for people. So thank you for talking through them. Um, mm-hmm. Who ideally is the plan aimed at like I, I we did kind of touch on this I think a little bit at the start but like who do you see kind of benefiting from it the most I suppose well I think the most obvious kind of um demographic that will probably be attracted to the book are those people who are actively wanting to conceive right now um and absolutely you know the the mainstay of the book is for people who know they they want to be um mothers or fathers in the future at some point it may not necessarily be right now but at some point later down the line but I'd say actually this book is really for anyone and everyone and mm-hmm. And ideally, you know, I'd love it to get into the hands of the much younger generation um, for all the reasons we've mentioned before, because there's so many young girls and women who suffer from conditions like endometriosis, PCOS and so on. Um, And the majority of them, you know, are are put on things like the pill and hormonal contraception and they don't really, you know, consider their fertility very much necessarily at that point. But also because they are, you know, on these um, methods to try and suppress them of their symptoms it ultimately can end up disengaging them from their bodies and understanding some of the signs and messages that the body is is carrying for them and what I really go into a lot of detail as well in the third part of this book which is um, called personalizing TCP to you is some of these conditions like endometriosis PCOS fibroids vaginismus um, what they mean what they're about and what you can do 
to help yourself to tackle them. So it's all about empowering people to have the necessary tools to understand what might be going on and then what they can practically do themselves to help themselves so that they can make the best decision for themselves, right, about what to do and how they want certain things treated rather than necessarily just being told or having something imposed on them. Um, And it's also about taking control of your fertility, especially if you've got those conditions, to understand and know that, yes, you can absolutely still be fertile um, and you can look after that through these different ways and methods. So I I really, um, my big hope and passion is that it absolutely does make its way into the hands of those who aren't necessarily even thinking about being pregnant right now, but just want to kind of focus on their general health. Um, And and on that point, actually, one of my first friends who read this book um, immediately said to me, gosh, this book is like for everyone who's just interested in wellness. Amazing. I said, well, yeah, it actually is like totally. So, so you could even be past the point of, you know, you've completed your family, yeah. you've had your children, but actually, you just want to learn more about being healthier yeah. and and you know what to do in terms of helping yourself later in life. So, absolutely, that's, book that's what I was just thinking. Yeah. I, I we we don't plan on any more children, but I, I was just thinking I'm I'm going to read it and I'm going to take probably loads of information from it just based on just general health. Because yeah, yeah like, I'm really interested in that side, but I I guess I don't I probably don't take enough time to like really learn about it. So yeah, definitely I'm gonna read it, even though yeah, babies is something that's not, you know, not not on the radar anymore. But Although, definitely you your husband when I saw the book was a bit like, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I saw it on the side. He was a bit a bit worried Love for a minute that. about what I had planned, but no. <laughs> I told no, him, no, I get, him to get him yeah. to read it too because yeah. I absolutely like there's a whole chapter dedicated to men in this yeah. um, because they are such a huge part not just of the conception process but also when it comes to their health and well-being again you know I, I generally see a lot more women engaging with that than men and I think yeah. it's so important that they also take these principles on board and understand what they're about and start applying them because exactly the same thing applies to them and yeah. when it comes to conception there's such an incredibly important part of this process right yeah. Um, yeah. that you know they they really really do need to be taking it seriously um so so yeah make sure he reads it too I will yeah no I definitely will I'll be uh giving him a copy for Christmas no it's out after Christmas isn't it that's what I'm going to talk about next actually by the time this podcast comes out it will it will be out but tell us a little bit yeah. about when it's out where people can buy it yeah. and also where people can find you as well if they want to to follow along with yeah you. Yes, thank you. Um, well, the book is out the 28th of December. Um, and at the time recording this podcast, it's available to pre-order. But by the time this comes out, you will be able to order it on Amazon, of course. And it should be available in, in major retailers in terms of um, bookstores. I'm actually really, really hoping to go out to some of these bookstores and do some book signings. Oh, and amazing. Do some little talks. So I'll be announcing all of that on my social media. Um, the main hand, the main sort of forum that I use is Instagram. I can't handle any of the rest. No, I'm sorry. Me neither. Much I, time. <laughs> I can't do it. Instagram it's in much. itself is yeah. huge, right? But it I takes agree. me a blooming day just to make a reel, to be honest with you. Yes, yeah, same, same. <laughs> Um, so so yeah Instagram's my main place and it's at Dr Larissa Corder and then my website which is www.drlarissacorder.com and at the time recording it's undergoing a lot of changes so by the time you're actually listening to this um, my website will have had a big overhaul which is very exciting um, Mm. and you'll be able to find lots of information there I've got a lot of exciting things um, 
on the radar, which I can't talk about at the <laughs> moment. But stay tuned. If you follow me, um, all of it will be on there. And then, of course, anyone who wants to kind of, you know, um, interact with me on a more personal basis needs my assistance or help everything is all the contact information is available there so um, and when so, you when you do your um segments on this morning are they kind of regular like if people want to catch you on there yeah. are they ad hoc yeah. or kind of regular yeah days and I, times? It, it tends to be um yeah it, it's not as regular as as let's say the gp slots um but yeah. yeah they can absolutely um catch me on there um from time to time and what i tend to do is if i've had an appearance i'll post about it you know yeah. or i'll include it on my website so people can go back to to seeing that and i'll try and feature the video where i can a lot of the time um i also do um the fertility phone-in clinics as well so yeah. people can tune in but i'll always announce if i'm doing it yeah um so so that people can watch and there's a whole ton of stuff on on youtube out there as well with with video segments that that are from there so go and have a look and in fact on that point the conception plan which actually started on this morning um so back in 2019 four years ago yeah I mean this is such an incredible story where we ran a competition and I I took um some couples that I was coaching and training in these um sort of new methods and techniques and um and one of them became pregnant very shortly afterwards and baby Freddie was conceived and on the this morning sofa literally almost a year to the day of when we launched the competition which is absolutely wow. amazing um amazing. so people can watch those videos the conception plan videos on my website and also on YouTube if they type the conception plan Dr Larissa and see what I did to help those people and really the conception plan brought to life which is what what we did at the time wow amazing no that's brilliant I'll, I'll link your website and instagram and things like that below that, so that people can kind of easily find you as well but thank you it's been really lovely to speak to you i've it's really interesting like again as i said kind of an area that yeah is i'm interested in obviously because it does relate to what i do as well with with hypnobirthing and things like that but something that i think much like many other people haven't really taken the time to educate myself about so it's been really interesting to talk to you and I'm really interested and excited to read uh, read your book as well which I will be doing oh, so thank you thank you so much for your for your kindness um Claire I so appreciate it and and you know for your beautiful words and may I also just say you know thank you for all the incredible work you're doing as well in the hypnobirthing community and the difference you're making to to so many men and women um it's it's amazing and and you know I I stand in honor of that um very much so so thank, thank you, you. To you as well <laughs> so thank you very much it's been nice to speak to you thank you oh thank you thank you so much and thank you to the listeners a big thank you to dr larissa for taking the time to come on and talk about her book hopefully lots of you guys will find it interesting i will leave links below to where you can buy it and also to her website and her instagram as well so you can kind of follow along for more info please don't forget to check out my courses as well i have my group hypnobirthing courses and also my kind of digital course that i sell as well and 2024 for me is going to be year of the doula <laughs> um i'll be starting yeah my doula work this year so you can also take a look on my website for the packages that i offer as well and please do get in touch if you're interested i am going to be offering virtual doula services as well which means that wherever you are in the world um, you can access doula support because i know many of you guys are not local to me so i wanted to offer something that 
a lot of you guys, you know, would be able to to take up if you wanted to. So that is on there as well. Please do take a look. I'll be back in two weeks time with another episode and I will speak to you then. Bye.